Today on Season 2, Episode 84 of the Unknown Packers Podcast, are you ready for hard-nosed, cold-weather December football on the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field? We sure are. Listen in as Bryce and I talk about the Packers' grudge match with our bitter rivals to the south, the Chicago Bears. We give you the scoop on the enemy, give out some game balls, take a walk down memory lane, and of course, have some fun along the way. And now it's time for Old School on Tap. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. Touchdown! Dagger! Al Harris, 56 yards to a game-winning touchdown! Green Bay Packers! Go Pack! Go! Winning isn't everything, but it's the only thing. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. Unknown Packers podcast. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. And let me tell you this, Green Bay is a great town. And welcome to the Unknown Packers podcast for old school. Yes! That's awesome! What? You just took one in the jugular, man! On tap, co-hosting today is myself, Bryce Christensen, and alongside me I have Neebles for the 200th game. Packers, Bears, the rivalry, Lambeau Field, playoff implications for the Bears as well as the Packers and their playoff seating. Packers lead 98, 95, and 6 as they head into Sunday at noon at Lambeau Field. Luckily, since 1992, Aaron Rodgers has been 18 and 5, and Favre has been 22 and 10. According to Mike Spofford of Packers.com, Sunday will be the 56th time in the last 57 Packers Bears games that either Favre or Rodgers has started at quarterback for Green Bay. Wow. The only exception was Brett Hundley on November 12, 2017. If research is accurate, according to Spofford, Trubisky is the 19th different Bears quarterback to start against the Packers in that time. And to start off old school on tap, how are you doing, Nebels? Our weekend, week out, pregame tradition. Packers are 10 and 3. Bears are 7 and 6. They're fired up. I'm fired up. How are you feeling? I am fired up as well. I am really looking forward to this game on Sunday. I mean, what more can you ask for? Bears, Packers, old school winter football, noon on Sunday. It's going to be a blast. And it's going to be cold. Oh, it very It's going to be in the teens. I cannot wait for Sunday. And as uh, lately we've been doing for our weekend, week out pregame episodes, a little tradition from the soothing, sexy sounds of our producer and co-founder, and magician behind the scenes, mm-hmm. Nebels, give us give us a little behind the enemy lines. Give us give us a little snapshot, a glimpse you, into what we can expect from the seven and six Chicago Bears. You got it. I actually almost didn't do it this week, thinking that you know everybody's pretty familiar with the Bears. But I started kind of doing <laughs> some research, and there's some there's still some interesting things to be told. I would say a couple of just game related general notes to mention. The Bears and Packers haven't played a noon game at Lambeau since 2008. In that game, the Packers won pretty handily 37-3, and but they proceeded to lose the next five games in a row. So I say, let's not do that again. And as you <laughs> mentioned, outside of that, Packers are 8-2 and two overall against the Bears at Lambeau ever since. The Bears are coming on hot as of late. They are a desperate team that is not out of the playoff race. Packers are in the driver's seat for the NFC North crown and are currently sitting at the number two seed in the NFC. And... 
that is what makes this game dangerous. There are, as you mentioned, big-time NFC playoff uh, implications set for both teams. It could knock the Bears out. It could set the Packers back. It's just going to be a big game. I did want to also, before I got into the offensive side of the ball for the Bears, I did want to go over a quote by our coach. He says, we've got a really good football team coming in here, Packers coach Match LaFleur said. This is a critical game for both us in terms of how we progress this season. It's a big NFC North rivalry game. That being said, let's get into the offense. Looking at the offensive ranks, the Bears are 29th ranked uh, offense, and they rank 26th in points per game. Now, Trubisky has thrown for 2,440 yards, 16 touchdowns, and 8 picks with a rating of 86.9. He has kind of been up and down all season. He has five games with zero touchdowns, five games with multiple touchdowns, and three games with a single touchdown each. His best game came two weeks ago in Detroit, where he threw for 338 yards, three touchdowns, and one pick with a rating of 118.1. He followed that performance up last week against the Cowboys, who are imploding, I might add, with 244 yards, three touchdowns, one pick, and 115.5 rating. So those two games are probably, as far as I recall, the best two-game stretch of his career. Mm-hmm. His passing numbers as of late are not what scares me about Mitchell Trubisky. It's his feet. Well, That's he has what I was going to exactly. get at. I was going to just, I'm glad you're mentioning that. For sure. He hasn't put up gaudy rushing numbers this season, uh, which could be due to Nagy's uh, play calling, but he is definitely a very mobile quarterback capable of extending drives with his feet. Last week against Dallas, he had 10 carries for 63 yards and a touchdown. Which, I mean, face, it doesn't sound great, but that's better than a lot of running backs are coming out with, you know, in, in, in their performances these days. One thing that you may want to look out for with Green Bay is, and, and actually, I, it's funny, after I, I put these notes down, I was kind of checking the uh, insider inbox on Packers.com, and one of the listeners or the, the readers had the same question, and they were wondering if Green Bay was going to lock in on Trubisky and possibly sacrifice one of their defensive backs as a spy. What, what do you think? Do you think they'll use a, a spy on, on Trubisky or they'll just kind of roll with the punches? I think you need to. I'm, And I read the same thing in the inbox, right? I, yep. I'm in, yep. in Packers.com. Yeah, yep. I read the same thing about utilizing a spy on Trubisky and the reason being struggling over the middle of the field. It, it would be a question of who uh, right, right. Would, would you have spy. And that when I read that, I, going back and forth, I started thinking – and this is just my gut reaction is Josh Jackson possibly just I had the same thought. Oh, great. Okay. Perfect. That's <laughs> that's exactly who I was thinking, just because I don't I and Blake Martinez, we don't know the play calls, but just based on film, and I'm glad a lot of Packer film guys have come out of the corn stocks, if you will, and said, you know what? We have no idea what the play calls are. We're just analyzing film and trying to inform people as much as possible. But looking at the film, Martinez, I think, would get burned by Trubisky, but I'm glad that you're mentioning that because that is the thing that really concerns me is not Trubisky in the, in the air. It's on the ground and who right. they have spy. But I thought Jackson played really well last week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He'd be the guy that I think they could possibly have. I don't know if you'd sacrifice a safety, uh, but Darnell Savage's speed is something that I think that maybe you have Amos sit back deep, you know, play, play the eyes of Trubisky, him knowing – Trubisky pretty well and him what he did in week one with sure. uh, that uh, that game-closing interception. But yeah, Jackson or Savage is who I was kind of thinking. Yeah, good call. Definitely, I would agree with you there. Going back here, we'll talk about uh, who Trubisky has to throw to. 
Allen Robinson right now leads the way for the Bears receiving core. He's the top receiver on the Bears, and I think he's one of the top receivers in the NFC North right now. He's been uh, fire lately. Oh, he has. Uh, this season, he has 898 yards. He is 10th in the NFL in receptions right now with 76, and his 898 yards is good for 20th in the league. So I am expecting him to be a handful. I'm assuming King is going to be tasked with shutting him down. You think they go King? Think they go Jair? I'm leaning towards King. What do you think? Yeah, I would go Kevin King, but at the same time, you look at what Jair's done in the last couple of weeks as well. Yeah, I think you go with what is best, and I, I like the more physical route with, and now I'm second-guessing myself with sure. Jair Alexander because he's pretty physical too. Right. But I would look at, like, on the perimeter, physical matchup, I would think more Kevin King. Sure. But Jair's been, he's in, he's been impressing me the last few weeks. Yeah, he's been quiet but impressive, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Outside of Allen Robinson, you have Anthony Miller. He comes in with 41 catches for 531 yards and one touchdown. Outside of those two, the Bears are pretty thin at uh, the receiver position. You have Taylor Gabriel, who is currently in concussion protocol, and it's the second time for him this season, so that, that doesn't really bode well for him. I hate to see that. That's never good for the, you know, the, the player in his future. You have Cordell Patterson who is their receiver, return man, weapon extraordinaire. He happened to be limited in practice uh, yesterday, Thursday as well. He's got a head injury. They didn't say concussion. They just said head. So that'll be one to watch. And he's got that, you know, him being injured has bigger implications. I'll go over those more in a little bit. And then you have fourth receiver, Javon Wims. His status is also unclear. He has a slight knee sprain uh, suffered last week, and he has not practiced since. So out of their starting receivers, I mean, like I said, Allen Robinson is a go, Anthony Miller's a go, and then they really don't have anybody after that. So that stinks for the Bears. For us, how I mentioned earlier, I think it's it, it could be a good thing because maybe that would afford us you know, giving up a DB to keep as a spy on Trubisky. Yeah, and when you mention Anthony Miller, that I, when it, when you pair up Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller, I think you would go Allen Robinson, Kevin King, and then Anthony Miller, Jair Alexander, just with the speed of what Anthony Miller brings and what he's done the past few weeks. He had a sure. touchdown last week, and I think he had 140-some yards against Detroit the week before, and the Bears are on a three-game winning streak too, so yes. they're, they're, feeling, they're feeling good. And Anthony Miller's the guy that, Anthony Miller and as well uh, the the scrambling ability of Trubisky is what kind of concerns me going into this playoff implication playoff oh, seeding game against the Bears. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Trubisky hit. He's he's my number one concern at this game. Yeah, you know, just like you said, because of his feet, his scrambling ability, and traditionally, you know, the Packers have had trouble Struggle. with that type. Yeah, they have had trouble with that type of quarterback. Now, with the Bears receiving core in its current state, I would expect them to start relying heavily on the ground game. They have David Montgomery, who has 192 rushes for 680 yards with a 3.5 average and five touchdowns. He's also added 23 receptions to that. He has been good. You know, he's been getting better specifically over this last two-game stretch they've had, you know, two of the three-game stretch where they have been undefeated. He has come out and said that he feels like he is finally adjusting to the speed and the violence of the NFL. So as a rookie... I say he's coming on strong. He's starting to kind of put things together and figure it out. So he's definitely one that they have to contain. You also have to look at Tariq Cohen. He is labeled as a running back, but but Nagy seems to use him more as a receiver in their offense. 
this season he has 60 carries for 157 yards with a 3.1 average and no touchdowns. However, he has 60 receptions for 330 yards and three touchdowns, which is more receptions, less yards than Anthony Miller has more touchdowns. So they are definitely utilizing him as more of a receiving type back. So again, he's someone else they need to watch out for. Finally, to kind of wrap up the offense, I consider tight ends to be the kryptonite of the Packers defense. <laughs> <laughs> they always have trouble with tight ends. Thankfully for us, we, we know that Trey Burton is has been placed in IR, so he will not be playing. Bears starting tight end Ben Broniker. He has yet to practice this week and is, is also questionable with a concussion. So he may not be able to go. If he does, he's contributed just six catches for 59 yards and one touchdown since replacing Trey Burton. So they don't rely on their tight ends a whole lot. If he can't go, we'll be looking at Jesper Horstead, who has yeah, who has six receptions for 58 yards and one touchdown this year. So he has very, very similar numbers to, to Ben up there. And then J.P. Holtz, who has five receptions for 79 yards. So he's one that can stretch the field a little bit more, but he doesn't have any touchdowns or anything to show for it. So again, thankfully this week, the Bears seem to be in some trouble in their tight end position so that does bode well for the Packers defense. And what else bodes well is that not only are we a, a Packers-focused podcast, but we will also break down the opponent's tight ends from top to bottom. Because Darn right. Because we are always <laughs> concerned about tight ends. That is the most informed I've ever gotten with the tight end position. I was like, oh, dang. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to oh, go yeah. in on Sunday at Lambeau and just be like, you guys concerned about J.P. Holtz? And I, I'm looking forward to the people that have uh, no idea what I'm talking about who? or two that have been tuning into the Unknown Packers podcast. They're like, ah, oh, this guy Nebels uh, was mentioning JP. He Holt. knows his backup tight ends. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's that's about all I have on the, the Bears offense. Uh, a lot more than I expected to, honestly. And like I said, Trubisk getting his feet really concerned me. Outside of that, I think we can, we can handle everything. I mean, it's still going to be a – a hard-fought game, as they always are against a division rival, whether it be here or here as in Lambeau or Chicago. I'm really looking forward to this one. I think this is going to be a very tough, tough game. It's tough. It's And, I mean, you you and I both had just an uneasy feeling going into the Redskins game, and, you know, they prevailed 2015. And in the 10-3 on tap episode mm-hmm. where I broke down the game, you know, I – unpacked a lot of what we were feeling uneasy about and going into this game against the Bears the Bears are on a three-game winning streak they've also had a mini bye in December when they played not this past Thursday but the week before against Dallas I wanted the Bears to beat Dallas just because I want to see what this 10 and 3 I didn't know that the Packers were going to prevail but 10 and 3 7 and 6 now three-game winning streak I think the Bears being 12 and 4 last year all this expectation week one, we punched him in the mouth. Adrian Amos with the interception to prevent that game-tying possible touchdown drive against from Trubisky and the Bears. So there's a lot going into this game. There's Definitely. a lot that I'm excited about, anxious about, and nervous about. We'll see, especially in the second half. We'll definitely unpack a lot of Definitely. those concerns that we had going in. You want to talk on the defensive side of the ball? Um, why don't we uh, wait till after break? And all I had to add to your thing, your, your, well, your statement is I agree. I was feeling very uneasy going into that Washington game. I have a completely different feeling going into this game. It's not like a overwhelming feeling of confidence. 
it's more exciting because I do know or excitedness. Yes. You know, I, I do know anything can happen. You know, the Bears could be 0 and 13, the Packers could be 13 0, and it could still be a hell of a game. Right. You got to love these, you know, these rivalries, especially when it comes to the Bears and Packers. So I am not really nervous. I'm not worried, but I'm not overly confident as well. I'm just really excited to, to see what, what these two teams are going to do uh, on Sunday afternoon. Same. And there's a lot of, I mean, not only the rivalry, the history of the Bears and the Packers will highlight some Packers memories as we wrap up later on in this episode, but also... We tried to go after Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack goes to the Chicago Bears. We have their safety. They have our safety. And we'll definitely highlight those. But there's a lot. Nagy and Lafleur have some similarities where Nagy was the hot coaching prospect. And then Lafleur was especially, I mean, considering maybe some thought that maybe he, I don't know if the right choice, but Nagy was definitely one of those guys that shot up the top of the list. Maybe last year was more McDaniels sure. and the Fleur snuck in the Cinderella story, the dark horse, our coach Lafleur. But there's a lot to be excited about. I, I will I will say I'm more anxious than I yeah, am excited about the Packers. And we'll talk about that anxiety <laughs> that I'm feeling in the second half of old school. On tap. Enjoy the commercial break. Go Pack Go. You are listening to the Unknown Packers podcast. Do you want to be a part of the show? If so, give our listener line a call. Leave your name, a comment, concern, or question, and we will include your message on an upcoming episode. Call 920-328-5269. Again, that's 920-328-5269. We look forward to hearing from you. Don't forget to show us some love and rate us on your favorite podcast provider. Now, let's get to the second half. Go, Pack, go! Go, Pack, go! Go, Pack, go! And we are back for the second half of Old School. We're going streaking through the quad and into the gymnasium. Come on, everybody! On tap, Old School rivalry, history, Lambo mystique, playoffs, even though it's in December, a lot on the line as we head into Sunday, 12 p.m. Central Standard Time at Lambeau Field, 10-3 and three Packers, 7-6 Bears. We highlighted the offensive side of the Chicago Bears in the first half, and now we get to highlight the defensive side of the Chicago Bears in the second half. Take it away, Nebels. I am curious to find out more about, uh, I know Akeem Nix might be coming back, but uh, and haha Clinton Dix, but outside of that and Khalil Mack, uh, I really don't really know much about this Bears defense. Well, you're not going to learn a whole lot much more. I kind of slacked on the defense since everybody everybody knows their stuff. Uh, very high level, <laughs> very high level information this time. You know, everybody is familiar with Mack. Obviously, it, 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 you just mentioned. Stealing your thunder. Oh, yeah, that's all right. <laughs> now, overall, their defense ranks fourth in the NFL for points allowed at 17.8 points per game. They rank 10th in the league for yards allowed at 326.5 yards per game. And they are a very tough team to rush against, ranking third in the league, allowing just 3.7 yards allowed per attempt. So with this game being cold, I do anticipate a lot of the action to come on the ground. It's gonna it's gonna be tough to get uh, get our run game going against this stout defense. If we can do it, that's definitely gonna be a key to victory. But 
you know, the Packers and their backs do have their work cut out for them. Now, like I mentioned, everybody is familiar with Mac. He is having a very solid year with 41 tackles and seven and a half sacks. Some would consider this to be a disappointment or a down year for Mac. However, that's all because of the injury to Akeem Hicks. Now, because Hicks has been out for a good chunk of the season here, teams have been allowed to concentrate on Mac and double yeah. and triple team him, team him. So that's why he is not getting the numbers that we're used to seeing from him. Here is the bad news. The aforementioned Hicks has his eye set to return from IR this week, and yeah. it has appeared that he is set to do so. It hasn't been officially announced yet, but he is eligible to come back this week, and I do believe he has been practicing. Okay. So He's still not going to be 100% with that dislocated elbow, but his presence alone will probably alleviate some attention from right. Khalil Mack. And and, that, and I'm glad you mentioned that, the whole one not being 100%, because I don't know if it's a smokescreen or what, or what's going on, because they said that, you know, he is he could come back this week. Hicks has, in the media, said that he will not come back unless he is 100%. Interesting. So, okay. it's, you know, just because he can come back, does that mean he will come back? I think everybody's expecting him to, but maybe we'll get a nice surprise and he's not feeling 100% yet and won't give it a go. I would uh, I would like to think, though, with the Bears being 7-6, and six, I mean, I, they need some help yes. with the Rams losing a couple times and the Vikings losing a couple times, but I would think that this, this is their season. Yes, exactly. At, at, and on the road at Lambeau against the Bears, Hicks has always terrorized oh, yeah. Rodgers. I, I think a 90% Hicks will... will He'll roll. Oh, I will. Yeah, and I I completely agree. I said my gut's telling me he will play, but just one of those things that you know, reading between the lines, eh? Who knows? But yeah, you're absolutely right. With our season on the line, you know, if they lose, I think they're done. He exactly. You know, if, if he's close, he'll play. So, no, that's uh, that that's definitely a good call. Now, he may be a bit rusty. Okay, uh, which is good and. <laughs> Okay. Um, he may be a bit rusty, <laughs> you know, you know. And uh, the, the Packers are no longer going to be allowed to focus, you know, primarily on Mac. They're going to have to, you know, spread that love. So that's definitely a task easier said than done. Right. Now, behind the Monster O-line, the door has uh, the door has been opened for injured linebacker Danny Trevathan to return as well. Although he hasn't practiced all week due to his, his elbow injury. So I'm guessing he probably won't be able to go, even though he says that he would like to. Uh, Raquan Smith was placed in the IR, yeah. so he is gone. So they're pretty that's thin in, in the linebacker department. Yep. So that's that's good. Again, we talked about this earlier. We always like facing teams at their full strength just to see what we're made of. But, you know, at this point in the season with so many implications, I'll take any quote-unquote exactly. advantages that I can get. I have changed that tune. I yes, have changed definitely. That tune now. De- right um, on the back of the back end of the defense, Kyle Fuller leads the way with three picks. However, even Fuller, he has allowed fifty-seven receptions this season, which is good for the third most allowed by all cornerbacks in the NFL. So you can throw on him; you may not score on him a lot, but he's allowing receptions. He is going to be partnered up or aided by Prince Amakamura who has been a full participant in practice all all week, even though he did injure his hamstring. I believe it was last week in in Dallas. So he is a go. We'll see how that hamstring holds up, especially in the in the cold weather. That that seems to kind of you know activate injuries like that. 
And then to kind of round out the defense, like I said, I didn't do much on them. I would be remiss if I didn't mention the return of fan favorite and all-around off-the-field good guy, haha, Clinton Dix, which you mentioned earlier. So is this his first trip back to Lambeau? It, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yep. All right, yeah, as, as a bear, right, yeah. Yep, because week – oh, that's a good uh, – he went to Washington. Uh, yeah, he didn't. we didn't play after we traded him. We played Washington, but it was in Washington, right? Because didn't we play – didn't we lose to Washington last season? Yeah, but was Ha already there? No, because uh, yeah, yeah, Ha played against Washington. Played against Washington. Okay, gotcha. And then we gotcha. traded him, and then I don't think because he struggled in Washington. Right, after that. I don't right. think the Packers played, and then okay. yeah, week one. But yeah, he's having a solid, solid season. Definitely. Um, I think he's got like five fumble recoveries. He's got a bunch of passes defended, sixty-six tackles. Uh, Nagy has spoken volumes about Haha Clinton Dix. Sure. Really buying into the family and the culture of Chicago. So for me, you look at all that potential, you know, his rookie year and uh, how it just waned till he was, you know, exiled and traded. Part of me just thinks that he he was just dry. He was done with Green Bay. Sure. And needed a change of scenery. I'm happy for him. I think it just adds more juice. Clinton Dix coming back to Lambeau. It'll be interesting to see what the fans do. I've got I, no, uh, remo- I, you know, I've got no ill will with Haha Clinton Dix. It was just that last year it was clear that he just didn't want to play anymore. I hate throwing this term around, but I think the quote unquote true fans are gonna give him a, you know, give him a, a give him an ovation. They're not gonna boo him or anything. They know he's a good guy off the field. He does he does and has done a lot for the community in Wisconsin and and Green Bay. So I think it'll be a, a very respectful return for him. And I actually had a really good train of thought going here, and I lost it. Oh, well. You know what train of thought I've got going on What's right now? that? What's that? The, the most exciting part of the pregame episode, pregame balls. Oh, I'm not ready for that yet. Are you kidding me? You, I'm, no. I oh, did no. this last week. I did this. Yeah, last and, I, and, I, and it's funny because I did this last week. I'm going special teams again, Bryce. Mm-mm. I got special teams information for you. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, you love it. You love it. I thought just the whole top to bottom depth of tight end was going to be the surprise, but oh uh, no, oh no, back to back weeks with special I, teams. I Swerving Irvin's got that's you right. all excited now. Yes, he does. Well, you know when I when I see something that wor- that's worth noting on on another team's special teams unit because ours is so so lousy sometimes. I Not, anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore. We're on anymore. fire. <laughs> so um, Swerving Irvin. Irvin. Now here we go. The Bears special teams. The Bears rank first in the league oh. in kick return average with 27.8 yards and really? third in total kick return yards with 778. Now, the Bears rank second in the league in total punt return yardage and eighth in average per yard per, per return. And the reason why I had talked about uh, uh, Cordell earlier and his head injury is these rankings are basically primarily because of him. Okay. He has 755 return yards this season on 25 returns and one Jeez. touchdown. So this dude is a special teams freakazoid. <laughs> so if the off chance that he can't go, that would be awesome, especially with our, well. our coverage woes. So, yeah, I had to throw the little uh, little special teams jab in there. We just got to well, be on the lookout. And it, 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 I know that you also tweeted out to Dusty Evely, who by chance, I, I actually, uh, there, there's a good chance that I might see him on Sunday. We're trying to oh, coordinate nice. plans. He's not too far from where I'm sitting 
And uh, it looks like there's going to be quite a few people up there uh, representing She's Head TV as well. So I'll oh, have cool. to see if I can uh, sneak in, crash this possible meal. Do it. Do it. I don't even think it's possible. I think it's really happening at like awesome. 9 o'clock in the parking lot. But uh, uh, you had sent out a tweet to Dusty's breaking down special teams. So it, it's definitely on your radar. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Bears special teams coordinator, he's an acolyte of Dave Tube, right? I believe so. Because I remember, uh, and his name escapes me, but this Bears special teams coach was also garnering some, I thought, some like head coaching potential as well, or he might be considered. Ah, I remember hearing whispers of that. You're right. I'll look at it when you're going through your pregame balls and possibly just uh, share that. We'll yeah, wrap it up Chris nicely. Tabor. Yes, 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 Chris Tabor. Yes. I, and I thought that the Packers were interested in him as well. There, there's definitely connection with him and he. Him being an acolyte of uh, the Dave Tube special teams tree. So that's something I would think that they probably have next man up mentality, but those numbers are eye popping. 700 yards on what, 25 25 returns? Yeah, that's crazy. That's so, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's good stuff. Now we can uh, move on to game balls if you want. Uh, you make the decisions now. So, no, no, uh, oh, that's if, right. you, if you if you want to do game balls, uh, I've been I've been uh, shushed back to back weeks now, and I'm intimidated. Hey so man, you told you me let, if I if I find my opportunity to take it, because you'll just keep talking. So that I'm is learning. true. I'm learning. That is true. Jeez, uh, <laughs> you better you got to be careful what you tell me, Bryce. Low, I listen low sometimes. Low blow. Uh, <laughs> ref takes a point away. Let's keep it friendly. That's right. That's right. All right, we'll go to game balls. I'll I'll kick it off. I'll start it out here. Um, right. I like it when you you know you go second and, and get to kind of wrap everything up. All right, game ball, game ball number one here. Now this is one that I normally wouldn't wouldn't think to do. It's not that it's an obvious choice, but I just kind of like staying away, just because. Uh, my first pregame ball, I am going to go with Aaron Rodgers. Me too. Oh, okay, nice, nice, wonderful. Um, <laughs> he's one of those guys that you know carries the high expectations with them always. I do think that he steps up this weekend, has a big game. I think between the media criticism he's been facing and playing the Bears and it being an old, you know, an old school, cold December noon football game at Lambeau Field, I think we're going to see a vintage Rodgers performance. He's going to prove any of his naysayers wrong this weekend. He's going to have quick decision making. He's going to get that ball out quick. He's going to spread it around the field. And yes, he is also going to hit at least one big deep play downfield. So, Rogers is the type of guy who I, I think, you know, he, we may think he ignores it, but I do think, you know, he he knows the criticism is out there and it kind of bugs him and kind of irritates him, you know, gets that chip back on his shoulder. And I think this is a, a week with so many playoff implications. And again, against that, the, the, the rival bears here in the NFC North, I think he's going to use that as ammo and he's going to come out firing in all cylinders and is going to be looking great. I also refrain from trying to give Aaron Rodgers a pregame ball. I think this is the first time this whole season I've done so as well as you, yeah, I believe. Yeah. And But it, it has to happen. Aaron Rodgers has to have a, a big game. Only having 195 yards and a touchdown last week, he's still at 3,260 yards, 23 touchdowns and two interceptions. So he can have a, 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 some big weeks on Sunday as well as the Vikings and Detroit to flirt with mm-hmm, that 4,030 mm-hmm. 30 touchdown, but it it's it's disturbing, I guess you could say, 
when you go back and look at the tape and just see all the missed failed connections and largely in part because of Aaron Rodgers. And it pains me to talk about that, but right. uh, coach coach LaFleur rattled off several different failed connections when he opened up his press conference, which I think just shows that it's on his mind. And speaking of those failed connections you had, so this was on Monday, right after the 2015 win over the Redskins. He had a screen pass to running back Jamal Williams, play action throwback to tight end Jimmy Graham, third down hot read to running back Aaron Jones against a blitz and an open Alan Lazard over the middle when the pocket collapsed. Later, he mentioned an end zone shot to rookie tight end Jay Sternberger that didn't quite connect. And he also missed Jay Sternberger, who was wide open when he uh, decided to throw to Jimmy Graham, who picked up a first down. But those misconnections, those failed connections, and it's becoming loud. It's not one of those things anymore where it's like, oh, what's going on? Last year, it was all the talk about what about McCarthy? What about Rodgers? Why aren't they getting along? Now sure. with first-year head coach with Coach LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, he's even said, talking about that, they don't. Ha- the identity is what you see right now, is mm-hmm. an inconsistent team. Ben Fennell, I think, said it best, is that we're looking at a team that should be 500, but that happens to be 10-3, and three, yep. uh, 6-1 and one in close games. So they are a team that knows or finds a way to win, but now you need Aaron Rodgers coming off this big contract too. Uh, yep. Wants to play into his 40s. Let's see it. Let's see it. He is elusive on the ground, but this has to happen. This has to be the game. He usually plays very well against Chicago. The chip on the shoulder, when people underestimate him, that's when he explodes. So that's what I'm doing, Aaron Rodgers. Yep. If you're listening right now, I am underestimating you right now. You have been a very mediocre quarterback this entire season, and I have to say it now. This is the game to show everyone why we're 10-3, and why we're going to make a deep playoff run, why you said ugly wins all the way to the Super Bowl. That's fine, but you need to be consistent. You need to make these connections happen. And last Sunday after watching the tape again, there were so many that should not have happened with quite possibly the greatest quarterback of all time. He's not going to be happy with you when he listens to this because you know no. he listens to our he, show. He, so. He's going to be upset. And I, I, I think I he just well, lost a chance at a, at a guest spot from him for a, for a couple episodes at least. I had so. no nice idea job. that was on the radar. So uh, It's I'm always okay on the radar, that. Bryce. <laughs> all right. No, good call. I, I agree with that. I mean, what are the, I mean, we've had a couple of similar game balls the last couple couple of weeks, haven't we? We're get, we're on that wavelength. It's kind of scaring me, Bryce. Kind of scaring me a little bit here. Well, I wonder. I wonder. We've got two more. I'm excited to see. And I, if Aaron Rodgers does listen, he and if he has been listening, he knows how much I love him. Oh, it's yeah. just one of those things now where it's like, okay, this is this is too much. You're missing these things that normally that's what one of your skill sets, it's, your attributes. I, I mean, he's been honest, though. He's yeah, been no, saying yeah, that he's is, inconsistent no, true. and they're ugly wins. But now it's like, okay, why are they ugly? You have Aaron Jones, who's so explosive. And uh, actually, I'll refrain from what I'm going to say. Okay. And not to derail anything, but uh, what what are your thoughts on, and I see it all the time, uh, the narrative that he is, the whole trust thing with his receivers. How much do you really buy into that? I don't buy it because if you go back and look at the tape, and granted, as many film Analysts out there have said they don't know the play call, but they're missed connections. Right, they're open plays that should should be completed, and so it's that execution part. This sure. trusting wide receiver thing, uh, no, okay, especially good. when you're doing three tight end sets and you've got Aaron Jones there, right, and you've got Devonte Adams, you've got a guy in Alan Lazard that can complement. But 
I mean, MVS has been a no-show. I don't know if that's trust or or whatever, but I saw you go off on Twitter. I like I like what you had to say. It's about these misconnections, these failed opportunities. It comes down to execution. If they're going to be ugly wins, fine, but you need to execute. You need to execute. Yep, and for so sure. that's what it comes down to for me. All right, good. Well, I'm glad I'm. it's not me just going crazy about the whole thing. All right. No, no, it, no, it no. keeps me up at night. I don't uh, like feeling yeah, I hear this you, way. I hear you. All right. Getting us back on track here. Game ball number two. All right. Now, I have said it a few times before. I've gone this route a, a, a couple times. And this time, dang it, I mean it. Danny Meatball Marinara Batali is going to be my second game ball. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to happen. What's going to happen? He's going to. Do something. <laughs> He's going to do something. All right. So this Sunday is going to have a playoff feel. It's going to be cold. It's going to be loud. It's going to oh, have man. those playoff implications for both teams that we've been talking about. It's going to sound contradictory to me giving a game ball to Aaron Rodgers, but I think the ground game is going to prove to be a big factor on Sunday. Yes, I expect AR to air it out and have a big game, uh, but what that's going to do is that's going to allow the running game to get going. I'm looking for old Lafleur to pull some tricks out of his secret playoff-only playbook and get uh, <laughs> Meatball Marinara into the end zone. So I I expect a good game from from the Meatball. He's gonna be one of those underutilized. You know, obviously he's an underutilized guy all season, and he's gonna come in and and uh, have a hand in this victory on Sunday. I love it. We talked about it earlier in the season that December footballs maybe when we see this quote unquote secret playbook. And it busts out. I love the meatball marinara. I, I, I'm not picking meatball marinara. I'm not picking Danny Vitale, but you mentioned him. I'm going, I, this is an outlier pick. I'm going Coach Matt LaFleur. Oh, this is my second pregame ball. That's uh, a spicy meatball. <laughs> the script. I think the, the script. The, and the, this should be maybe the, the whole theme the last couple of weeks. And if you go back and look at the tape, it just after the first set 15 plays, they've got nothing. And that falls on Coach LaFleur. Where is this whole yep. all gas, no fudge-sicle break sort of thing? Ah, dang it, Bryce. And I'm, you, yep. And I thought about that when I put the notes <laughs> in, so that'll be a fun uh, fun little uh, editing. Yep, My no apologies. Worries. No worries. But to take a quote uh, from Packers.com, ultimately they have to go out there and make plays. But And I say this to the team, we're all in this together. There's no doubt about it. I love the mentality of our guys. I don't think anybody was satisfied with Sunday in regards to the Redskins game, and I'd be disappointed if they were. And when you're looking, when I talk about Aaron Rodgers and the execution, the third down, especially in the Bears opener, the Packers are 2-for-12, and 6 of the 10 failures require 10 yards or more. And so if that's what's going to happen again, it's going to be a long Sunday. This comes down to Lafleur. You have Aaron Jones, you have Devontae Adams. Rodgers, I feel, is going to come out and he's going to execute. The biggest question right now is if you're talking about identity and we talked about we're going to find out who this team is week six, week seven, week eight. Now you're seeing it. And this falls on Coach LaFleur. The biggest thing for me that concerns me is moving forward, if we're doing a deep playoff run, does this does the landscape, does the platform get too big? This is where it happens now, where he's a rookie head coach, 10-3, and three, the first Packers coach to win 10 games in a season, which is exciting. He went back and reflected on the tape. Now let's see it. Let's see it. Right, I'm concerned right. after the script is, is utilized 
And then after that, we have nothing. But when we're efficient, when we're urgent, the no huddle, two minute drill, that's where I feel like we're the best. And so this whole like script, let's get cute. Know what you're about and and execute. So Aaron Jones, these three tight end sets, Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers, the offensive line has to do his part, but how Coach LaFleur gets his players ready, how he gets his coaches ready is going to be indicative of how they do on Sunday and moving forward for the rest of the season. No, I, I agree. And that, that was one of the concerns I had when they hired Matt LaFleur is just doing a little reading about it. It seems like there has been a constant concern over his play calling going stale after his script was up. I mean, he had he had the same troubles in, in Tennessee. I mean, that just seems to be one of those things that has been ongoing for him. And I kind of figured, well, obviously the Packers know better than we do. You know, maybe they, they hope that he figures that out. But unfortunately, to this point, he really hasn't. So, yep. like you said, that's going to be something that, that needs to be looked at and evaluated going forward. Big headline yes, on Sunday. It's yes. definitely what I'm going to be. I might have like a little like uh, number tracker. There you that go. I bring to the game there where I'm go. going to watch every play. I mean, think about that. The oh, first yeah. 15 plays, everyone that's listening, watch that. Count and see what happens yep. after that. Yep. It's it, it's jarring to look at it when you go back and look at the tape. It's happened in every single game, essentially, outside of the Raiders blowout. Yep, yep, definitely. All right, well, moving on to uh, pregame ball number three. I really had a hard time with this one. I wanted to go defense. I tried to keep it, you know, offense, defense, and then maybe throw in a special teams or whatnot, but... No special teams? Uh, well, hang, just hang on a minute here. Hang on a, a minute here. Irvin? Jeez. Um, a little swerving? Jeez. A little swerving? <laughs> no. Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, it, I, I didn't go with a defensive game ball this week because I feel like when I go with a defensive game ball, I keep kind of going back to the same guys over and over again. And yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna mix it up. I am going special teams this week. Uh, last week I did special teams with J.K. Scott. This time I'm going with the other leg in uh, in Crosby. Oh, nice. Yeah, going a little, okay. little crush Crosby this week. And this is going <laughs> to even further contradict my first two <laughs> game balls. First, I said they're going to air it out. Then they're going to ground it out. Now they're going to they're going to kick it out <laughs> again. It all goes back to the frigid, all phases of the game. All phases. Yep. This is this goes back to you know earlier we're talking about how frigid cold it's going to be. We're going to be on the frozen yep. tundra Sunday. Yes. Honestly, points yes. good. Yes, good. I'll be sitting in my my like living room, nice and warm. Oof. But anyway, points could be at a premium <laughs> on Sunday. As oh, they, you know, as they can be with this, you know, with this matchup and in the weather. So if it does end up being a low scoring affair, there is no one I would rather have, or there's no one that I am more confident with right now to win a big game on a long last second field goal than Mason Crosby. I mean, he is one of the hottest kickers in the in the NFL right now. He's missed what, like one kick, maybe? Knock on wood. He's on fire. He's hot. He's got his his swag back. And like I said, hopefully it's one of those things where we don't need him kicking a bunch of field goals. I will take any points I can get. I'll tell you that much. But I think if it all comes down to it, you know, if this is a low-scoring game, he's going to be the guy who pulls off the victory. So he gets it. my game ball number three. And not only is he having an incredible year so far, he has been on fire ever since his abysmal, what, five-miss field goal yes. game. Last year against Detroit, Detroit he's been yes, on fire. He has. So it just shows that he's got the medal. Wrapping up the pregame balls, I'm a, I actually went defense. I, I went to nice. well, offense, coach, and then defense. I'm going Adrian Amos, who oh, had a nice. week one interception to seal the game for the Packers on a potential game-tying touchdown drive for the Bears. 
They prevailed 10-3. And the big storyline week one was him, you know, not seeking revenge, but essentially a team that drafted him that didn't didn't want to re-sign him. And he said, quote, I know leading up to the first game, I was answering a whole bunch of questions about that, what I just mentioned, and I was glad when it was over. It, it's so deep in the season now that I'm not really thinking of it as that regarding to this whole, you know, trying to get revenge for trying to prove the team that didn't want him wrong. I'm just looking forward to this great opportunity to play our last three games, division games, and hopefully get on a roll and be playing our best football. He, after signing a four-year, $36 million deal in free agency, hasn't missed a single game or single snap out of the 849 defensive snaps for the Packers defense. Has a 78 tackles, one sack, two interceptions, and eight pass breakups. Uh, he's slowly becoming one of my favorite players. All reliable. I love how he approaches the game. I think deep down he wants to he wants to just crush the Bears' slim playoff chances. But I, I can't wait. I'm fired up. As we wrap up, old school on tap. I wanted to talk about. Hey, what's your favorite Packers Bears memory? I like it. All right, uh, my fa- my favorite Packers Bears memory. The one that always sticks out to me. I was a I was a young lad. Young lad back in the day, and uh, I'm gonna start going over some some points here, and we'll see if you can if you can guess what game I'm talking about. Okay, right. I'm not gonna give you the year or anything like that, but okay. uh, the Packers entered the game with a four and four record under second year head coach Lindy Infante. Okay. Oh, the uh, reversal. Oh yeah, that's the yep. you got that quick. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. I just remember um, that watching that game as a kid. You know, I I'm from the Chicagoland area, north you know north of Chicago. So all my neighbors and friends were you know all Bears fans growing up, and you know I just remember w- watching the game with my po- my folks. They had some friends over, and the Packers were constantly getting beat by the Bears. I think this is right around the time when they were just the Packers were just pretty much garbage getting beat by the bears beat by the bears yep. beat by the bears and then and then it happened at the uh at the very end here let me see if i can find it Mikowski scrambled to his right in hopes of buying time for his receivers and this is on fourth down by the way yep. Mikowski found sterling sharp open in the end zone and fired a pass across his body it was caught by sharp for an apparent touchdown but as the packers started to celebrate a penalty flag was found on the field Line judge Jim Quirk had thrown the flag, saying that Mikowski's foot was across the line of scrimmage, thus making it an illegal forward pass, which led to a loss of down. Since it was fourth down, the Packers would turn it over on downs, giving the Bears possession of their own 14 with only needing to run out the remaining 32 seconds. Before the Bears could take the snap, referee Tom Dooley was buzzed by replay official Bill Parkinson, who wanted to review the play. Both teams and fans at Lambeau Field waited nervously as Parkinson tried to determine whether or not Rakowski had been beyond the line of scrimmage as he threw the pass to Sharp in the red zone, or in the end zone, I'm sorry. Finally, after nearly five minutes, Dooley went to the middle of the field, turned on his microphone and announced, after further review, we have a reversal. Touchdown. Even just reading that just kind of gave me the goosebumps. I remember. I know, oh, I'm getting goosebumps right I, now, baby. I remember as a kid, I, I went berserk. I was running all over the house, hollering, screaming. I think I went over to the neighbor's house, pounded on their doors because again, my friends were all all Bears fans, and that just you know they they came away with a a fourteen thirteen victory in in their first game, you know, first victory over the Bears since nineteen eighty four. So that sticks out the most to me. You know, I said the Packers; it was a different era for them. They weren't the team as you know in the playoffs all the time and 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 winning Super Bowls. They were lousy, and for them to come out and 
get a victory over a very good Bears team at the time, that was just super exciting for me. And I don't think I will ever forget that play. Anytime anybody it. asks me what my favorite all-time memory was, that that's the one that always comes up. Nice. How about and that, yours? And, well, I, I love it. And that also propelled the Packers as well. They didn't that was before the wild card era, but uh right. they ended up having their first winning season that year. Yep. I think Lindy Infante went on to coach of the year. And then uh they had a, an abysmal year following that, and that's when Ron Wolf came in. But that year was huge because yep. they were four and four, like you said. And I think they they went on for a nice little winning spree right after that. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I love they, it. Uh, I, it looks like they finished uh, with a ten and six record that year, yep. and the Bears went the complete opposite way and finished six and ten. So, all after that, <laughs> yep. yep. The reversal, the reversal, literally in so reversal, many different exactly. facets. Yep. But for my Packers Bears memory, I mean, Week One last year sticks out to me. The knee game, as I like to call it, where Aaron Rodgers, you know, him. money. What it. The, yeah, my knee. That was crazy. Uh, the Packers Bears NFC Championship in 2011, mm-hmm. the 2010 2011 season. The play that sticks out to me is Aaron Rodgers throwing a interception uh, in the red zone, and Brian Urlacher just green open pastures, and somehow Aaron Rodgers strong triumphant fingers and forearm tripped up Brian Urlacher, which actually ended up allowing us right before the half to still have that lead and we prevailed going on to the Super Bowl. I always wonder the the Bears cuz that they they were the team. That was the exciting team oh, and yeah. we were a team still trying to I mean that whole season we we played second fiddle to the Bears. So that sticks out to me. But my Packers Bears memory might not be the most proudest moment, but it's the one that sticks out. I tweeted this to Maggie Loney. I'm curious to see if it makes the whole cheesehead Article or Cheesehead TV article that she's talking about when it comes to the Packers Bears rivalry. But this was Christmas Day 2005. I had picked up my cousin, uh, who's also a loyal supporter of the Unknown Packers podcast, and we proceeded. Thanks, <laughs> we proceeded to uh, drink a ton of Jägermeister. It was back to, uh, when I had my drinking shoes on, oh, and uh, proceeded to walk into Lambo in a haze of Jägermeister. That was this year that the Chicago Bears ended up going to the Super Bowl. Uh, we ended up losing that game. That was arguably, uh, you know, the 2005. That's when we had drafted Aaron Rodgers. You could sense that there was a transition possibly occurring in the next couple of years, which ended up happening. But late in the third quarter after, like I said, a ton of Jägermeister, I should have been cut off. Packers are driving, trying to tie the game up. I believe it was 21-14, trying to tie up the game. And Favre throws to offensive lineman Mark Tauscher. Scores a touchdown. It was like a three-yard touchdown pass. to he Lambo leaps, and I lose my mind. I had an out-of-body experience, and I chucked my third beer, essentially. Well, this is how I remember it. Into the air, and it landed on the fan in front of me. I did not know, or this is how I'm remembering it, that I had been spilling beer on this Poor lady. Oh, no. The entire game. And then the cup runneth over, literally, and I had poured a full beer, essentially, all over her. She went down to get police, and police tried to escort me out. I played the game where I don't see them, and I was just going to mind my P's and Q's, and then I got that hand on the shoulder. You're coming with me. These are season tickets, the same tickets that my grandfather sat in the ice bowl. I got escorted out, and to find out that Mark Tauscher was an ineligible uh, receiver. 
The play was called back, so that was all for naught. I was a huge Tauscher fan, still am. Packers ended up losing that season, and I got a phone call from my grandmother. Oh, no. Finding out that they had gotten some sort of notification that uh, there was some uh, a fan that had been escorted out. And to hear my grandmother's voice and her talking about her husband, my grandfather, and how hard he worked for these tickets and all the history, I remember bawling on the phone, just being like, Grandma, I'm so sorry, Grandma. I'll never do it again. <laughs> oh, no. uh, I proceeded to drink after that, move forward, but... Uh, <laughs> Looking back, Packers, Bears, awesome. I, I remember that being escorted out. So I will say that clearly uh, it's up for interpretation. I'm proudest memory, but uh, the reversal for sure, crystal clear. Hope you enjoyed the Packers, Bears memory, mine of getting escorted out at Lambeau. The only time I've been politely escorted out, I might add. But as we wrap up, old school. Blue, you're my boy. Thank you, sir. On tap. You just need to win out. Packers control their own destiny with the two seed. I think that's the only way the Packers can go deep into the playoffs with the stacked NFC outside of the NFC East. Your thoughts, Nebels? I agree completely. I agree completely. two seed. I know it's one game at a time. Week by week, a win is a win, but this two seed is what we need. Yes. Win out. We control our own destiny. This starts this Sunday, 12 p.m., Lambeau, December football, Lambeau Mystique. I'm your co-host, Bryce Christensen. And I'm Nebels. And this is the Unknown Packers Podcast. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers Podcast. Make sure that you're tuning in to TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Google Play, Stitcher, and a variety of other podcast platforms. Don't forget to say, hey, Alexa, play the Unknown Packers Podcast. That's right. We're good friends with Alexa. Make sure you're checking out our website, theunknownpackers.com, as well as Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and Reddit, The Unknown Packers Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I'm Bryce Christensen, and this is The Unknown Packers Podcast. <laughs>